Blog Talk Radio. And joining me pretty soon here is going to be cartoonist Bosch Faustin. He has retrieved our geeky evening glasses. <laughs> I should tell you a little bit about those in a minute or two. So we are trying out evenings again, and there's a couple reasons for that. As some people have recalled, the um, reason that we went to daytime in the first place was because I was getting pretty tired in the evenings. I didn't feel like I could do the show justice. And I think I'm in a better position to be doing that now simply because I think I told you guys before, I'm on treatment for Hashimoto's. I got a thyroid disorder. But now that I've got a fairly decent quantity, it's a pretty small quantity of medication, but it seems to be doing the trick. I think I'm going to be able to keep my energy up more in the evenings. The other thing is that we're doing it really just out of survival. Isn't that right, Bosch? Um, we have, I, you know, I think we told you we're not allowed to talk about it too much, but we did sign the deal for the project. Mm-hmm. And that's going to have some due dates and things associated with it. And both of us have current other projects on our plate that we're trying to finish up so that we can get to the project. And the project. <laughs> Bosch has got Infidel 3. That he just started inking today. And there's a reason why it took that long, but I could tell you about it all the time. I just had to get everything ink ready. I kept changing panels and scenes and backgrounds. and Anyway, it, it's up to, actually, no, it's up to 55 <laughs> pages. And whatever, it's, it's coming out good. I'm very happy with it. So now that the ink has been started, I think it should go fairly quickly. Yeah, yes. yeah. yeah. from this stage, yeah, it's all... There's no more really major choices anymore. Everything's been written. Everything's been composed in the panels. Now it's just basically inking, laying the inks down, doing the coloring after, which I've never done before. I've all done lettering before. So inks and then digital coloring and digital lettering at the end, which is something new. Okay. But it'll, it'll look a lot better. It'll be my handwriting, my font, you know, which I'll type in. Uh, so it'll be interesting. Right. So we're taking our mornings. You know, really to work on the high focus work and also I don't know I kind of enjoyed putting together the news stories here in the afternoon as you see if you go to my blog at don't let it go.com 
There is a huge list of stories that I've compiled. I don't think we're going to spend a whole lot of time on any of those in particular. Um, oh, you're hearing my yeah. button? Oh, okay. Sorry. I've, but yeah, I am gonna I'm gonna be scrolling because I've got this huge list of stories over at DontLetItGo.com. So do check but it out. But also, just for record, I I, I entered the um, Muhammad contest, the Muhammad cartoon art contest that Brett Bart wrote about. Uh, Ten thousand dollars for the winning prize. So I entered a, a number of those, and we'll see how it goes. Hopefully, I get a shot. I saw his entry, and it looks very good. But I don't think he's nice. allowed to send it out there unless and until. But nice. yeah, yeah. So what do we get going this week in terms of news stories? By the way, do check out all those stories, and if you want to call and comment on any of them, go and dial your phone number seven six zero eight 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 five eight one seven. Again, that's seven six zero eight 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 five eight one seven. And you can also participate over here in the chat room. At Block Talk Radio, I see that there's a number of people who are already catching up with us here, returning to the evening time. Fiona thinks that we've done it basically for her because it's afternoon Actually, in Australia. Right. Yeah. yeah, and you know, I started I started the just, show yeah. by playing the Jezebel, right. which is an Australian-based exactly. band. That's right. So actually, so everything I, we said is just not true. It was for Fiona. I think it is for Fiona. Yeah. That's it. That's it. We didn't even know it till the second, so she brought it up. <laughs> Yeah, so it's good for her, and it's probably not as good for everyone else, but we are sorry about that, and we do hope that you can catch the podcast. But at the same time, there are a number of people who complained that they were working during the daytime showtime. So unfortunately, we have kind of limited chunks of time that we can get in here and and actually coordinate schedules and and do this. So we're going to try this and see how it goes. Also, some listeners complained that it was too long, which I never even thought of ever. So tonight we're gonna do. Um, yeah, we'll do we'll do an hour and thirty minutes. Yeah, an and, hour and, a half, and we'll see how it goes. And we'll see how that goes as well. Yeah, definitely. So yeah, as I said, go to the blog, check it out. We've got a whole bunch of stuff. First on the agenda is Israel, and this week we did get to see Netanyahu win another term. For a while, the media was trying to make us think that it was really close, but yeah. apparently it turned out not to be close at all. Right. And for me, the main thing that I liked about this was that apparently Obama was actively not just rooting, but had had, you know, taken efforts to try to defeat Netanyahu and lost. So that was just sweet. And, you know, gut felt everybody else was commenting about this, you know, that that if Obama's upset that Netanyahu won, then it's good that Netanyahu won. Now, that's fine. Um of course, we'll look at a story here in a second where we're already disappointed in Netanyahu post-election. That really is not the point. The no. point is is that here at home, for some unknown reason, we were unable to defeat Obama, even when he was up for re-election and no. nobody should have wanted him to be in office again. We could not defeat him. We couldn't watch him being defeated. Yeah. He's getting a second term. He's getting to leave office as, in his mind, the king of the world. Yeah. And so it was just really nice to see him lose in an election, yeah. even if we had to watch it happen vicariously by right. the people of Israel. <laughs> That's true. Because according to Obama him. and his whole gang, the problem in the Middle East is Netanyahu. Yeah. He's the problem. Oh, yes. Yeah. And if he lost, then the problem would have been fixed. Sick. It, it really is. It really is. 
we learn that Obama is is be preparing to punish all the Israeli voters for rejecting him and voting for Netanyahu. Couple things that have been going on. First of all, and this is something that he did earlier anyway, so you can't really think that this is punishment for rejecting him. But maybe he was waiting to see what would happen in this election and whether he would renew this particular contract. There's a bilateral agreement between Israel and the United States that had been going on since about 1975, I believe is what I read. Okay. And it's an emergency oil agreement. I don't know what Israel is promising, but on America's side, we are supposed to promise the Israelis emergency oil supplies in case they have to go to war, and we have not renewed that with them. Obama so, has not renewed that. Obama has not renewed that with them. Right? So he's the first uh, president to do that? Yes, since 1975. Yeah. Now, think about that. Yeah. Carter? Yeah. Of course, I don't know. It may have been put in before Carter, and then Carter. Right. It may not have come up for renewal during. So, well, if it was 35, yeah. he was in office, Carter, so... You know, so he made it. He, I, I'm not sure if he made it. Maybe Congress did. Maybe Senate together, and he just allowed it. I thought I Carter know. was a one-termer. He was 76 to 80. He, he was. Yes, you're right. Okay, actually. thank you. I'm sorry, you're right. <laughs> what the hell am I thinking? I wasn't born then, so I don't. I don't know. This is the All right? the first late night slip up of <laughs> yeah, but, the, the time slot. Yeah, I mean, I was. Uh, it was born 1980, I think. Okay, yeah. So I think it was Ford who must have. Stuck that yes, in there. Maybe as a last, yeah. Right. And then it probably wasn't up for renewal under Carter, conveniently, et cetera. So, but still, yeah. probably somewhere in there, there was a Democrat or a Bush. Yes. <laughs> Somebody lame. Uh, the other thing that they said that they're going to do is maybe they're going to stop opposing the Palestinian authorities joining the so-called International Criminal Court. Supposedly... We've been putting up somewhat of an opposition, yeah. and now the Palestinian Authority, as they call them, terrorists, yeah, are going to join the International Criminal Court as of April 1st. It's an appropriate day for perfect them to be day. joining. Yeah, perfect. And the thought is that they're going to bring up Israel on so-called war crimes. Yeah. Yeah, because is, Israel is such a committer of war crimes. Then the other thing, of course, is to have the U.N. Security Council force a so-called two-state solution on Israel. And some people are thinking, oh, well, if we actually have that done, and that is in lieu of the so-called war crime prosecution, that that would be merciful to Israel. So basically Israel is coming, you know, getting it one way or the other. Yeah. And, um, As usual. Right, yeah, yeah. And, and I, I don't see how in the world this is the huge priority. I mean, Israel's this tiny little state trying to exist. And the world thinks that that's the cause of, that's the root problems of all the wars that are going on right. in the East. They right. have to believe that. You know, Putin's like trying to take entire countries over. Israel's just trying to maintain territory that it needs in order to survive and <laughs> a exist. Yeah. A tiny little piece of land. It's but a kick-ass no, country, though, no. also. The, the, the priority is to go Obama. after him, and Putin, eh, yeah, you know. And also, Obama called Putin. He called Erdogan from Turkey right. when these dictators won. Mm -hmm. He doesn't call Netanyahu. You know, sometimes you got to see what Obama doesn't do to, to let you know who he is. Trevor over here in the Blog Talk Radio chat room, he says, criminals in charge of the court, no right. doubt. Yep. No doubt. 
Yeah, Fiona says the agreement should have been signed off last November. Yeah, that was it was last November when it was up for renewal. And my guess is that maybe Fiona, maybe he was trying to decide whether uh, you know, just kind of waiting to see what was going to happen in this election, and then he was going to sign or not sign depending on what they happened. Want, so now thing. he's not going to. Like like Muslims throughout history, right? Even when they lose, they think they don't lose. No matter if, if for centuries their the jihad is is, is uh, stagnant or, or dying, right. they still expect and plan to go back on jihad. Like Obama, every time he loses, it's just another way for him to plot. It's like he he lost you know when when Netanyahu won, but now he'll find another way right. to get what he wants through the UN or whatever. So it, well, losers and, never lose in their you know in their minds. He's just getting more and more strident. Yep. Pushy, brazen, brazen. Brazen's the perfect word. Yeah. You, you now you now you've got it back. <laughs> you didn't realize that Carter was not in office in 1975, but you came up with the right what word, the so, so you win. Um, it's night. Uh, I have a Muslim background. You know, I, just, is that is that is that good enough excuse? Now, wasn't wasn't it true that Hillary just went to the UN to do a big old women's rights uh, summit or something? Oh, yeah, so, she so, you know, the UN has brought it upon itself to declare who is the top violator of women's rights around the world. And lo and behold, the top violator of women's rights around according. the world, according to the UN, is Israel. Yes. Yeah. Because because they're not. They treat women so badly. In because Israel, they're not right? the top violator. And, and the, the, because the Saudis are, Iranians are. That's why. Well, they're like, yeah, but if we say that we're racist because they're Muslim, so therefore let's let's go after Israel. They're not going to say much. No, but that's the whole thing. It's well, like a soft target. You know what their rationale is? The the so-called Palestinians, yeah. you know, the women, they uh, don't have very many jobs. Because of? Uh, well, supposedly because of Israel. <laughs> Israel is preventing them. Why? Because they all decide they're going to be refugees in this little place where they're just constantly making war on Israel. And Israel, when it's doing whatever it's doing, trying to survive. Um, this should be an outrage. It should be yeah. a real outrage out there in the public, not just here in the show. We're getting used to this crap. This is an absolute outrage. The Fox News story that I've linked to over at the blog, it, again, go to the program notes at don'tletitgo.com. You can see all the stories we're talking about today. The story mentions the fact that in the Palestinian Authority-controlled area, that 70% of those men are employed, but it's like only 17% of the women or something. Um, so it's it's Israel. Yes, it's their fault, course, right? It's it's not it's not the fact that they actually don't so, employ their women, right? Uh, not not employment is um, abuse of women. What what the Saudis do legally? Um, oh yeah, Saudi Arabia. Them. I mean, and and here Fox News chronicles all the different other countries around the world that could have, should have, might have in a proper world been deemed the top, you know, yeah. rights violator of women. Well, so Saudi Arabia, they say, where women are physically punished if not wearing compulsory clothing, are almost entirely excluded from political life, cannot drive, cannot travel without a male relative, receive half the inheritance of their brothers, and where their testimony counts for half that of a man's. Sudan, where domestic violence is not prohibited. There is no minimum age for, quote, consensual sex. The legal age of marriage for girls is 10. 88% of women under 50 have undergone female genital mutilation, and women are denied equal rights in marriage, inheritance, and divorce. But, oh, yes, it is 
Israel that is the top rights violator of women. Not Iran, right? In Iran, again, continuing the Fox News story, where every woman who is registered as a presidential candidate in the last election was disqualified. Quote, adultery is punishable by death by stoning. Women who fight back against rapists and kill their attackers are executed in Iran. The Constitution bars female judges. Women must obtain the consent of their husbands to even work outside the home. But, of course, it's Israel that is the top rights violator of women, not Iran. Also, Pakistan, uh, some women, I remember reading years ago, uh, they were raped, and they told the authorities, and they were thrown in jail, and they were raped by the guards. Yes. And this is just the norm. This is the norm. This is the norm. And, of course, you have to go after Israel because they're terrified of calling out Saudi Arabia and Iran and Pakistan and 56, 57 Muslim countries. Afghanistan or Yemen, says Fiona it's here in the chat room. Yeah. <laughs> There's, um, anyway, Pig Man pays a visit across the Muslim world in this issue. He goes country to country to country to country, and he basically does the things that I've that, that I wanted, wanted to do. Right. Vicariously through him, I'll do it. Right, right. So they're painting a really bad picture of Israel. And even New York Times is kind of teeing up so that they can be sympathetic to whatever we're going to do to Israel. Right. And Israel, of course, deserves whatever it's going to get because they elected Netanyahu and dared to defy Barack Obama. I'll tell you. I'll tell you. Supreme I mean, I just, dictator of the I world. I wrote today because the uh, response to the win by Netanyahu, to me, he's hating him. They're openly hating him. It, it's code for hating Jews, for hating Israel. That's what it's code for. Right. And as I put it all, they're, they're also, yeah, he's all talk, but he's morally superior to any of his enemies, any of the vile creatures who condemn him. I mean, hell, at least he sometimes says the right thing. Yes, he does. <laughs> I mean, he says things better than anyone says it right and now. And he on the halfway does the right thing. Halfway does. You know, he he almost, you know, he's almost, uh, almost has integrity, you know, almost. Look, he's better than Obama. He's better than a lot of those scum. But he is all talk. Right. Um, so there's this little piece that I linked to at the New York Times. The headline is Netanyahu Tactics anger many U.S. Jews, deepening a divide. So what is this code for? (laughs) It's okay. It's okay if you criticize Netanyahu. It's not racism because Jews criticize him too, right? I mean, how lame is this? It's the same thing as, you know, you're going to get a black guy to criticize Barack Obama because you want to prove it's not racist. Well, now they're, you know, New York Times is like, okay, we'll get some (laughs) Jewish people to... Criticize Netanyahu, one of the funniest so things, okay to criticize. One of the funniest things yeah. Rush Limbaugh did in the last few years uh, since Obama's been in office is to have uh, Bo Snerdly, his right-hand right. man, to be the official Obama criticizer. Why? Because you have 100% uh, black skin. Black, no, black slave blood. Something like that. <laughs> he has 100% slave blood. It's hilarious. And he goes up there and he puts on this real black voice. He starts talking like this. It's really funny. Right, right. I haven't heard in a while, but it's funny. All the it says American Jews, you know, his supporters, they were appalled at his last minute bid to mobilize Jewish voters by warning the Arabs were going to the polls in droves, and also his renunciation of the two state solution. Now the thing that I also 
shared this for was not so much that because, I mean, this is not surprising that the New York Times is trying to say, hey, it's okay to criticize Netanyahu. Look, a lot of American Jews criticize him, so let's just pile on. The thing that sucks is that they said, well, even with Mr. Netanyahu's post-election interview, walking back his statements against a two-state plan for peace with Palestinians, many Jews say they are worried that the most lasting outcome of the elections will be the increasing isolation of Israel, blah, blah, blah. So he already walked back on yes. his statements about... Because he's the, a stinking politician. Right. Yeah. And uh, they say about the peace, right? Uh, Palestinians want peace? Yeah. Palestinians, quote unquote. No. No. They're, I mean, you know, they're they, they, raised to kill Jews. Yeah. They're raised to wipe Israel out. That's what. That's why they exist, to wipe Israel out. That's their goal. Yep, yep. So here he is. He's already walking back on that. The only thing I could think of, you know, from a, quote, pragmatic perspective is that he's doing basically what Iran is doing. You know, he's like, okay, well, if it works for Iran, it'll work for me. I'll say, oh, okay, I might be open to the peace, even though he's really not, right? right? And he'll just, over the next couple of years, when Obama's in office and he has to deal with them, he'll just kind of do a dance, just like Iran does, <laughs> and hope that we get somebody decent elected Do you think uh, Israel can get away with what Iran gets away with? Of course not. No. Although... He might be better at it than they are. Has Obama ever ever made a four-minute video to celebrate um, an Israeli, uh, a Jewish holiday? Not that like I he know does of. With Iran. Not that I know of. And by the way, he said schlicken the schlock and the schlicken schlick. Oh, he can do it too. Yeah, he was speaking oh. I think Persian or Arabic. Yeah, yeah. That's uh, impressive. Farsi, Farsi, is that Farsi, yeah, Farsi, Farsi. Mm-hmm. not Persian. Farsi yeah, for, for Iran, right. he would do Farsi. Yeah. yeah so yeah. I, I guess that's what he did. He said schlicken the schlock and the schlicken. That's that, that's. Uh, I guess, a greeting in Farsi. (laughs) You're bad. You're bad. So, uh, you know, I don't know. I hope that Netanyahu is not serious when he says that. I mean, he's, you know, he's basically got guns pointed at him from all sides. Yeah, he does. So if he's telling them, oh, I might be open to the two-state solution in order to buy himself some time, in order to be ready, I I wouldn't blame him. I hope that's what he's doing. I hope that he is just, you know, he didn't just say one thing to get elected, and then once he get a, you know, he gets elected, he pulls off his mask and says, "Ha ha!" It's Obama. I am a pacifist, but I don't think he is. I I think he is somewhat of a pragmatist. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, talks a good game. Speaks better than anyone on the world stage right now. But. Yeah, Trevor says, two-state solution, state of rage and state of denial. The thing that I hate about all this, and we've done some shows on it a couple of years ago, because what they're trying to talk about is they're trying to talk about using the 1967 borders yeah. as a starting point for negotiations, which basically means Obama and everybody who's forcing this on Israel wants as a starting point for negotiations, the the borders that Israel had that were untenable, that they could not defend themselves. The reason that they expanded beyond the 1967 borders was that if they didn't, they would have been crushed. Yeah. So this idea 
that they are purposefully saying, no, that is the starting point. And we don't care if you're not able to defend yourself and to exist with those borders. We're going to force them on you as a starting point nonetheless. And that is about as evil as it gets. How about the borders when um, Muhammad's gang broke out of Arabia? How about the borders where 57 Muslim countries, how about pulling back on that? You know, about where Muhammad's time. Let's go back to Arabia and yeah, and then there's path. then there's the whole thing about you know oh there's these refugees and you know the only the only place around the world that's supposed to take them in is Israel yeah. and and deal with them is Israel but n- none of the people that they actually share a bunch of beliefs with no 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 that's so right. there's there's a whole bunch of horribleness that the, that goes the on the world with it. wants Palestinians angry and homicidal yeah. at all times so New York Times uh, you did not fool me one bit and I still think you're wrong to go against Netanyahu trying to, uh, you know, resist the so-called two-state. Two-state solution basically means give the so-called Palestinians a state and uh, good luck to Israel, see how long you last. That's really what it is. Yeah, Yeah. give give a rapist his victims and hope nothing bad happens. Here is an interesting... Article And this is from Breitbart this week. And by the way, almost everything that is on the blog at DontLetItGo.com and the program notes was sent to me by Bosch this week. It's all a lot of very cool, interesting things for you to check out, even if we only touch on them briefly. But uh, Supreme Court Justice Antonin Scalia urges GOP to move fast to eliminate Obamacare. Apparently, he didn't interview And he said that conceivably, depending on what the outcome is in the King versus Burwell case, there could be an opening for Republicans to eliminate parts of Obamacare. And then there's a whole speculation about whether they could actually do that. Um, There's a whole thing about whether there there would be the votes in Congress to be able to do that. Um, but the ruling is going to be issued in June, and we're going to see what they're going to try to do. The the one caveat that I have about this, I'm kind of pessimistic about their ability to make a significant difference without a total repeal and without basically a whole unified administration and everybody on board to figure out how to scale this back. And the problem is this. They have already significantly expanded Medicaid through the Medicaid expansion. And, of course, we saw that Chris Christie has been just bragging about their joining it and how great it's been for New Jersey. And, wow, you know, New Jersey doesn't even have to pay for it. It comes straight out of the coffers of the federal government, i.e. out of your and my pocket, and makes Chris Christie look good and makes him look more electable because he's doing such a good job for the state of New Jersey. So that Medicaid expansion has significantly expanded the single-payer system in this country. It's already there. It's already getting entrenched. So this idea that, you know, again, at Burwell, in the Burwell case, the thing that is at stake are these state exchanges. And and in fact, there's a number of states that didn't operate exchanges, and it was only the state exchanges whose customers, so to speak, were supposed to be able to get the subsidies. And Um, Obama just unilaterally waves a hand and says, oh, let's make it magic so that if everybody goes to the federalhealthcare.gov that they can go ahead and, um, you know, also get these subsidies. And um, 
that shouldn't be allowed at all. Now, it would unravel a lot. It would give a lot of states kind of an opening to get rid of the exchanges and all this kind of stuff. Okay, that's fine. But I think unless they can quickly and, you know, and somehow gracefully and ethically undo the Medicaid expansion, they're going to have a really hard time repealing this legislation. So, you know, Scalia, I'm glad that he's urging Republicans to do what they can to chip away at it. And maybe there's some good that they could do thereby. But it is such a huge, unstable equilibrium that we've got in the healthcare market, especially now, like I said, with the Medicaid expansion. That Medicaid expansion depends in, on part, you know, in part um, on having all of these healthy people being forced into the exchanges and paying these inflated health insurance, so-called insurance costs. And I, I just don't see how it's going to work. So it's nice. It's it's a good sign. It'd be great if some of the pieces of the you know again I was very happy that Netanyahu won simply because it thwarted one of Obama's wishes. I would be very happy to see the Supreme Court justices invalidate some part of Obamacare, which is Obama's signature piece of legislation, simply because the entire piece of legislation is evil. Obama is evil for putting it out there, for shoving it down our throats. And it would just be nice to see Obama have another bad day or try to evade it, you know, and go on the golf course or whatever it is, or go on Jimmy Kimmel. No, he'd be and, and pretend that the worst problem he has he is a bunch of tweets. No, he wouldn't right? be able to pretend that he's in a rage. No. He would be in absolute rage because again, that is quote unquote his signature legislation, right? You know, achievement if, they call it. If they uphold it against this challenge, when the language of the statute is perfectly clear, I want to read the distortions yeah. that whoever writes that opinion has to go through. And I want to know what drugs they're taking because it will be ridiculous. Nonetheless, I think if they do invalidate that and then it means, okay, they're going to do some weird things with legislation, it can do only so much until you get a total repeal. So, again, I think it's crucial to support a candidate in 2016. I can't believe we're coming up on 2016. I checked myself mm-hmm. in my brain. Are we really... But we need to support someone who wants a total repeal and has in mind a way that you could do it and just get it done as quickly and you would say as humanely as possible. Because really what you're going to be doing is you're going to be very quickly phasing out an entitlement that's already getting entrenched in the minds of some people. You've got to get it now. You've got to get it now. If they have you know, any, any power. Well, also, we, we spoke about Ben Carson last week. He made a real stupid statements about homosexuality. Right. But, you know, the guy is still, he's a great surgeon. He His whole career was spent in, uh, you know, med- medical care, medical field. So, uh, as I said, maybe someone should pick him up to be their um, secretary of repeal Obamacare. You know, <laughs> secretary of appeal Obamacare. That'll be the guy. You know, the guy to go to it. You said appeal Obamacare. Yeah. <laughs> I, <did. laughs> I thought you were making a new pun. I, I was didn't. waiting to see what it was, and I didn't understand it. What time is it now? Appeal Obamacare. So, there needs to be a secretary of appeal of... Repeal <laughs> Obamacare. <laughs> what, what time is it? Is it, is it midnight? You know, anyway. what, you know what? I'm going to reveal a secret <laughs> right now. Oh, I watched Bosch eat... Costco pizza yeah. for dinner. As a you know, as a as a goodbye to some bad food. 
at least for the foreseeable future. I've already sworn off gluten because of the Hashimoto's, and so I got to watch. So you blame pizza? Good. I'm blaming the pizza. Excellent. Just, just on your behalf. Oh, wait, I'm trying to be very nice to you. I don't know why, but they make great pizza. It must be a, a guy who ran a pizzeria who owns Costco. <laughs> but anyway, going on this new diet for a month just to see how it is, I said, okay, one You last. don't even know what the diet is yet, though, right? Yeah, but I've been out of listening to the, to the book. <laughs> and uh, I'm going on a diet. I don't know what it is. Well, I know what to eat tomorrow morning. Well, that's good, but do you have it on hand? Yes, actually. You got the stuff? No. Oh. Tomorrow. Oh, okay. Well, that's going to be truly exciting because you're supposed to eat it within a half hour right. of waking up. Well, I guess I'll wake up. Uh, Good luck. Yeah. It's the it's the Tim Ferriss breakfast. The Tim Ferriss breakfast is you are supposed to, within a half hour of waking up, eat a breakfast that consists of, I, I guess if you're someone Bosch's size, uh, two eggs. Maybe if you are a petite female like moi, mm. you could have one egg. But then you're supposed to have some lentils and some spinach. Don't ask me why. You'll have to listen to the four-hour body book. Which and is it's what, supposed to yeah. um, it's supposed to help it's you. It's supposed to help yeah. you lose fat if you want to. Yeah. yeah. Which it, I don't it, really it, want it, to do that either. So. It'll be interesting. Anyway, let's go on. Uh, yes, Nelson, uh, Trevor, but uh, not not often. Not often at all. What? Carbs. Oh, carbs. No, I mean I mean the only well we do eat the yams. Bananas. Yams, yeah. Okay, I guess yeah, but yeah. I don't think. If I don't eat bananas directly, I figure, you know, I'm not if eating If you drink it, bananas yeah. in a shake, <laughs> no, no, no. it doesn't count? No, I don't make it, so I don't, you know what I mean? I forget that. That's part the, of it. The shake is green. It doesn't look like bananas. <laughs> anyway, I'm going to go to sleep now. That's beautiful. Uh, um, let's just... What the hell was let, Obama? Let, let, let's just look at another horrible foreign policy debacle by our administration and a poor headline describing it. This is from Alan West's website says, oops, that's the first part, oops, Pentagon loses track of $500 million worth of arms in Yemen. This is horrible. Yes, it is. Um, you said, Bosch, that this consists of what, tanks and planes and, yeah. I mean, all sorts of horrible... Helicopters, I mean, yeah. major weaponry, and you don't meet that news with oops, because it makes Obama look bad. People will die. Yes. A lot of people will die, innocent people, because of that. Yeah, so this is, when you see a headline like this, uh, first of I all, he, he probably hired some editor for his website. Very likely. So I don't think it's him. You know, I don't think he wrote Still, this. it's under but, his name. Yeah, but here's the thing. So he's got an editor at his website, allenbwest.com, who is detached from reality. Completely. In the world of politics and Oh my gosh! Let's make the Obama administration look dumb. Yeah. There is you. You don't do a headline like that. No, you this, don't. Is, this is serious. Um, these are weapons this, this that they're the, concerned ISIS has in their yeah, hands. Got now. in the hands of mass murderers, mm -hmm. and we're supposed to greet that with oops. It says uh, they they fear that weaponry, aircraft, and equipment is at risk of being seized by Iranian-backed rebels or Al Qaeda. And then yeah, could just. Wind up right in the hands of ISIS, but no, we'll just call it a big old oops. Lame. Also on the sort of uh, foreign policy type tangent here, this is actually about you know sort of the stealth jihad here in the United States. The state of California, people's state of California, mm. has apparently accredited the nation's first Muslim college. Founded by jihadists. This is a story from Investors Business Daily. 
It says, the same California College Board that accredited Stanford and Berkeley has certified the nation's first Muslim college in what the left is cheering as a breakthrough for diversity. In fact, they say it's a breakthrough for jihadism. The Western Association of Schools and Colleges last week officially and naively recognized Zaytuna College, making the Islamist school eligible to receive federal grants and accept foreign Muslim students on visas. Zaytuna was founded by pro-jihadists who hate America and Jews and want to turn America into an Islamic state. It's located in Berkeley. It was founded Where? by uh, in Berkeley. <laughs> founded by three extremist Muslims: Sheikh Hazma Yusuf, Imam Zaid Shakir, and Hatam Hatam Bazian. Hate him. Oh, hate him. Hate him. <laughs> I think that's why they put in print. Yes, that's actually his name, but I'm sure they don't pronounce it that way. Hate him. Yeah. Uh, at a 1996 Islamic conference. Zaytuna President Yusuf bashed America as a, quote, a country that has little to be proud of in its past. I reside in this country not by choice, but by conviction to spread the message of Islam in this country. I became Muslim because I did not believe in the false gods of this society, whether we call them Jesus or democracy or the Bill of Rights, end quote. He's denouncing the Bill of Rights. And I don't believe that he is residing here simply because he wants to spread the message of Islam. He could spread it all over the place. He is living here because it is awesome. Still, to this day, it's awesome, regardless of the fact that the collectivists and the statists are encroaching. It's better to live in in this country than many others. According to the Washington Post, the FBI investigated him after 9-11 because just two days before the attacks, he made an ominous prediction to a Muslim audience that America would soon suffer a severe and deserved punishment. Now, of course, he probably calls for that in every single yeah, speech exactly. he gets, right? But why is he here? Yeah. yeah. No, why is he allowed to be here? This is an enemy of United States of America. Yeah. He says, this country is facing a terrible fate. This is, again, uh, quoting from the president of this accredited university, Yusuf. He says, this country is facing a terrible fate. The reason for this is that this country stands condemned like Europe stood condemned because of what it did. And lest people forget that Europe suffered two world wars after conquering the Muslim lands, Europe's countries were devastated. They were completely destroyed. Their young people killed, end quote. Is that not a threat? Yeah, and also, um, where were... This is after 9-11. Or it's right around 9 11. So this is in 2001. It's and here we, are, here we are. Here we are. Muslims were in this bed is, with Hitler. This is a quote on this guy's record in 2001. And, and yet, this Western Association of Schools and Colleges has recognized, accredited, certified a college headed up by this guy. Huh. I mean, that's, this is unbelievable. I think because of what he said, they made sure they said, oh, okay, you said all that? Okay, now we're going to give you the money. Because of what he said. That's why they're rewarding him. So we feel the same way. This is this is insane. Well, thanks to investors for publishing out there. Let's hope it does some good. We could, if we wanted, write a letter to the association and ask them why they did this. Yeah. Just ask them. Well, they'll BS us. In, but... Enclose a copy of the letter. Yeah. I mean, of the uh, the I article. So, yeah. That would that would be a nice thing to do. I I, I really can't so believe. Do you know who you're dealing with here? So in light of 
you know, we have, and again, uh, what was in Yemen this week? And then Tunisia? Terrible. I mean, hundreds, hundreds wiped out. Hundreds of human beings murdered. And yet, according to some real detached from reality people over at Cato, Libertarians apparently will say this, and these you know these are the the real libertarians over at Cato. Quote: Terrorism poses no existential threat to America, and that is a quote from a piece of from two um, people a over piece, the what? A piece? yeah a piece a piece an appeasing piece. John Mueller, who's a senior fellow at Cato, and Mark G. Stewart, a professor at the University of Newcastle, they claim that, quote, terrorism poses no existential threat to America, and that, quote, we must stop pretending otherwise, end quote. Uh, He says, the article begins, one of the most unchallenged zany assertions during the war on terror has been that terrorists present an existential threat to the United States, the modern state, and civilization itself, end quote. And I think that, and this is uh, written by Craig himself, uh, Craig Biddle of the Objective Standard, he he gets it exactly right, which is that if their idea is, oh, does this mean that America is going to be destroyed completely tomorrow? Okay, I guess they're right. But it's, I mean, the, the standard is, do terrorists pose a threat to the safety and lives of Americans because they are Americans. And, um, and we've already seen this. Give a damn. Yeah. Thousands of Americans have been murdered mm-hmm. by Muslims. And he's like, eh. Yep. You know, yep. They're not going to kill all of us. Therefore, no big problem. Yeah. Right. Right. Spittle, uh He says the phrase, quote, threat to America means threat to Americans. Yeah. He says it has no Which other relevant no meaning. Yeah. I mean, which they really have no... To write that kind of piece, you have to be a callous SOB. You really got to be. Yep. And I mean, especially in the United States, I mean, what do we think of? We don't think of America as some, you know, disembodied, you know, it's like a, a, a you know, country apart from the individual citizen. No. We, Human beings don't think like that, no. Right. Ron Paul types, guys like these, they think like that. America's no good. America's up no good. And it deserves these things, but they can't yeah. destroy us anyway. Yeah, and, and you know the, the kind of the kind of thinking here is, oh yeah, you know maybe a thousand here and maybe a thousand there will be killed, That's but but our country will go on. That's you evil. know, and I always hate when you, presidents have done this. Both oh, yeah. both Bush and Obama have done this. You know, America is strong. No matter and, what, know, we're fine. No, all these people have. Yeah. They they've joined to sacrifice for the lives of strangers. Right. George Bush. George Bush. He he basically set up our boys to be butchered because of the rules engagement was so pathetic, and he says they sacrificed for the for the freedom of strangers. Freedom, he says, freedom. We are losing our freedom. He thinks he gave Iraqis freedom. And we know he didn't because now they just set them up and made it ripe for ISIS to take over. So. Um, you know, the idea that somehow that's, you know, the the right way to have a, a, a foreign policy attitude. You know, again, this is why we're scared of a Rand Paul. We don't want a Rand Paul because that is exactly his attitude. Mm-hmm. And I, I think, you know, it, it's good because what Biddle does there is he illuminates what kind of thinking is behind it. It's the kind of thinking that discards the individual and right. their their thinking only on the scale of the United States as a whole. Absolutely. Oh, the United States is not in, under any serious threat of going out of existence yeah. tomorrow, poof, like that. And um, that's the standard of value of these guys. 
That's the standard. Yeah, Chile, apparently Chile that's more what American, is. so what? Chile 3,000 Americans, so what? Now, on the other hand, there are some Democrats who have a lot more sense than those libertarians. If you go to Jihad Watch, again, all the articles that I'm talking about are linked to at DontLetItGo.com. The headline from Jihad Watch this week is, Even Democrats Won't Back Obama's Iran Nuclear Deal. Now, there was the big hullabaloo about a letter that a whole bunch of the legislators, I guess only Republican legislators, yeah. wrote, but then they didn't send it, yeah, even they, though they wrote it? They did not send it okay. to them. So they wrote this letter to Tehran, but then they didn't send the letter. But, but they were you know, accused in, of sending in, the, in this article, they're speaking as if the letter was sent. Also, one thing. When the Democrats accuse Republicans of uh, treason and traitor, right, so they th- they think Iran's bad. Those who accuse, you mean Obama? Right. No, but Obama thinks that that Iran's evil, an enemy of ours. You know, here's what I'm saying. Oh, I see. He right. deals with them. Right. So the the Republicans sent a letter, but it's treason and it's you know, what I mean? meaning they dealt with evil people and therefore they are traitors. You guys deal with evil people. You guys are not. Or is, you guys or is it, or is it, or is it just treason to undermine the president's yeah, foreign policy yeah, in any way yeah, or something? That's the idea. No, <laughs> no, 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 but they bring up the fact that but, there but are. But what, what, is, what is this anyway about politicians? You know, So they write a letter and they are talking as if they sent it, but then they never really sent it. Or Obama, he's got his amnesty executive order, but maybe he never signed it. You know, you know, this this kind of To me this is just another way that it shows Republicans that as they're cowards. Go directly to the source of our problems right now, which is Obama. Iran, yes, we have to take care of them, but they're going a roundabout way. They want to stop Obama from making a deal with them. I mean, yes. do, deal with yes. him. Call well, him out. Well, and they are doing that, too. So the point of this particular story, which is a good one, is that they are getting ready in both the House and the Senate a piece of legislation that is going to have a right. veto-proof right. majority. A veto-proof majority basically invalidating the deal that Obama's trying to make and with Iran. Anything about that. His so, own party so, is so like... So think about this. You know, you've got these guys at Cato oh, Iran's no big deal, and terrorism is not an existential threat to the United States, right? This is what Rand Paul would be saying. And here are all of these legislators, um, including a bunch of Democrats, saying, no, this is really serious. Now, what I think it tells us, first of all, I don't think those guys at Cato are privy to the type of information that our legislators in the Senate and the House of Representatives are. So these guys, they probably know something yeah. we don't about but, how severe this risk is and how Obama's sending us yeah, down the river. Yeah, yeah, but that's being generous because we don't have to know those details to know that it's a major threat to us. We don't need to know those those details. Hey, uh, I mean, Gene, Gene, 30 years of killing Americans. Gene's asking here in the cla- in the I was going to say the classroom. Sorry, it's late. The chat room. Hi, Jean. She's in the chat room. It's not a classroom. Um, Fiona says she's heard they sent it. Can you look up and see what the latest the word is on whether was they that, actually sent the letter? Was that they didn't, and that was that, that was what they were being accused of being. You sent our enemies. They didn't. They wrote it uh, referring to him, I guess, to him, as in the world will know what what they're sending, but not to not to them directly. But the thing is so funny is, I mean, if if Iran hears about the content of the letter. And they know it exists, and they know all these guys signed it. It's just as good as sending it. Yeah. No, but that's the point. Yeah. That's the point. I don't know. You know, it was like a. 
But it was interesting because all of these, you know, they, in this article at Jihad Watch, uh, and they're just quoting from the Daily Mail. The Daily Mail publishes on March 16th. But all these Democratic senators were upset about this letter, and yet they still stood firm with the legislation. So you could tell that if it was just a political issue and they were kind of waffling, oh, I don't know, yeah, okay, we'll we'll get you a veto-proof majority for this one. It must be really a serious situation, Look, and these guys must really think United States is going to be in substantial just, danger further, if, if this deal goes through. further damns Obama. Right. They are more rational than him. They have careers ahead of them. They want to live in a country that's safe. Obama doesn't. He doesn't give a rat's ass. And they're like, that's just, that's just too much. I can't go with them there. Right. It's absolutely too much. Right. You know. If people want to call in, they can call 760-888-5817 if they like. Oh, Jean says she likes the classroom. Um, it's like, you know, they say, look, we both hate America, Obama and us, but we want to live. I mean, we want to live here. We want to be safe, at least. Yeah. No, but that, that's the difference. Yeah. Maybe, maybe they actually think that they would be unsafe in yeah. their lifetimes. Yes. And, and their children and their you know, yeah, family. Their children, their families, et cetera. They're like, uh, I have the power to stop this, so I have to try. Now, if you are interested in waxing a little silly about Obama's foreign policy, you can check out a an article. It's by Mark Stein. I linked to it again in the program notes for today's show. The James Taylor Doctrine. <laughs> the James Taylor Doctrine. If, if you recall, when we were talking about the fact that, first of all, Obama couldn't even make it to the tribute to the Charlie Hebdo massacres over yeah. in Paris. Uh, and then several days later, who did we send? We sent Carrie and James Taylor. And I remarked that sending those two was like sending a gift wrap box of dog poop. That's pretty much what we sent Bad to France. Poop. Yeah, Not pretty, even good dog, pretty, dog pretty bad dog, dog poop. So this is a piece by Stein, and it was published just on the 18th a couple of days ago, and he's kind of rambling. And he, that's he, on his on his blog. He yeah, that's go, on his blog. Yeah. So he's kind of he's kind of rambling and such. But a key point that he makes here is that you know we're telling them you know you've got a friend and everything. Well, you've and, got a friend. Right, and he gives examples. So for example, the doctor Shaquille Afridi, yes. who helped us to get Osama bin Laden, yes. it turns out that his attorney was murdered, and we all know that his attorney was murdered because of representing this doctor. We have not done anything to help this doctor who has helped us. Obama's gone around bragging about how yeah. they killed Osama bin Laden. Now, and keep you know, in mind, Pakistan held, uh, had, Osama bin, held, had Osama bin Laden there with knowledge. They yeah. pretend for years, mm-hmm. and they didn't pay a price. The guy who gave us him on a silver platter is suffering in jail. Who knows what's happening to him? Because in their mind, he killed, he helped kill a great Islamic hero. He, he, he has paid for the rest of his life. And Obama sits back, takes credit for something he didn't do, and lets this guy suffer. Yep. It's evil. Yep. And That and, guy should be living here. And so Stein is basically saying that if you are the, quote, friend of the United States, watch out. Yep. Because look what happens. You wind up in prison. You wind up dead. You've got a friend. Yeah. yeah. James Taylor Johnson. Um, and uh, I guess the enemies of the United States get treated very well. Yep. Um, 
You know, so who he, he says, indeed, who would be a friend of a friend of America? You should not do this. Why? Because look you might Bert, get killed. Look at Bergdahl, you know, who is not allowed to say a word. We don't know how he sounds even. You know, Bergdahl? Mm-hmm. That's Obama's kind of kind of uh, American soldier, yep. a traitor. And who knows where, who, who knows how he's living? But clearly, he's either an imbecile or he's talking, he's yapping away a little too much. So they say, okay, shut this guy down. The media will forget about it. This guy's a traitor. Who knows if he got a number of, of our soldiers killed? Yes. He joined the other side. Yep. And this doctor is suffering there. Uh, I'm, I'm kind of skipping down a little bit. You know, Stein is talking about how the doctor's in jail because he's a friend of America. The lawyer's dead because he's a friend of a friend of America. How come the United States could plan a flawless operation to bust into Osama's compound and put a bullet in him, but it couldn't do a thing for the operation's indispensable human intelligence? Can you imagine this guy sitting in prison there right now and his lawyer's been killed? He says, this is usually the point where I quote the great Bernard Lewis words when we chanced to be on a panel discussion a few years back that America, well, he apparently said a good thing here, that America risked being seen as harmless as an enemy and treacherous as a friend. That's true. So America is harmless as an enemy and treacherous as a friend. Iran thinks we're harmless, no doubt. Bernard Lewis downplayed anti-Semitism in Islam, which is an absolute lie. So for that, I hold it against him forever. Anyway, no, really, that's a rotten thing to actually send out there. It's not true. Right. No, it is. It's definitely. People should not be talking about the religion if they don't know enough about it. Or maybe he does, and maybe he fell in love with it. I mean, that's what some people do. They fall in love with their subject. They get so engulfed, they say, you know what, it's better than I thought. No. No. Yeah, so a lot of good our friendship has done France. A lot of good our so-called friendship is doing Israel. They're about to get screwed. You You want a little bit of good news? Yeah. Well, it's it's good news in light of bad news. How about that? So the context is bad news. You may have heard before that there was rumors that the NSA intercepts computer equipment that is being shipped to you from the manufacturer. And if you are one of the chosen lucky ones, the NSA will intercept that piece of equipment and put some sort of gadget in it so that they can track you, do whatever it is to you. On what grounds? Um, on the grounds that I guess they need to monitor you because maybe you speak to foreigners. Like, you know, we talked to Fiona here in the chat room. Yeah, we do. So I don't know. We talked to foreigners. And they fi- they figured that's well enough. That's good good enough reason to tap us. Perhaps, perhaps not. Now there are photos that come from the NSA's leaked documents that show the government goons intercepting Cisco networking equipment. And they put their little tracking and, you know, monitoring devices into those things and ship them up and send them right to you so you can check them out. But um, apparently what Cisco is now agreeing to do, if you would like, is you can have your equipment shipped to an empty house Hmm. that has nothing to do with you. And that will help you dodge these. So, for instance, if, if I'm in an you NSA target. You have to think along these lines. But imagine allegedly the, the Cisco's, Cisco's willing to do yes, it. But what I'm Kudos saying, to them. They have to go against the government of the United States of America to do this. They do. They have to avoid them. This is sick. We have a call. We're going to go ahead and welcome to the show. Hello. 
Uh, hi, Amy. Um, just call myself a non for today's um, um, call in. Uh, can you hear me? I can hear you. Okay. So setting up colleges in uh, in California. Here's mm -hmm. here's where I see a weakness, a security problem immediately. When the college approves an applicant, almost certainly the visa will be issued. So they right. are kind of vouching for the person that this is a safe person. It's a temporary visa, so there's no FBI background check. There's no police reports from the home country. Almost probably no fingerprints needed. This is how it is with temporary visas. And so the college is standing behind these people. Who knows who they're letting in? No, so I know. Gives me I know. It, no, um, it really does. It, and it, it's, it's unbelievable that they would, knowing that, you know, these quotations, these anti-American quotations and even, you know, arguably threatening quotations are on the record from the president of this college. And then they're going to go ahead and approve it and accredit it here in California. That really, really is scary. The college, the college accreditation and the credentials evaluation department is going to have a total say on this. I mean, the, it, they'll rubber stamp the visas once the college approves it. Well, I think we're all going to have to write some letters and, and figure it out. Um, um, I've take... got another, another another item. Okay. What what else is it? Um, you were you were talking about Israel and Bibi changing his mind. They they misreported what happened. He didn't he didn't do anything of the sort. There were some lies about what he said. He mm. he held he held to his previous statement, and his previous statement was about a a Palestinian state with Israel inside secure borders, as per Resolution 242 of UN Resolution, safe within secure and recognized boundaries. And not necessarily the 67, because that's not what the resolution says. Yeah, because so the 67 are not secure. Yeah. Refer back to UN Resolution 242. It's only like two or three sentences, and it says it all. And Bibi then clarified pretty much. He says, but right now is not the right time. Um, once the West Bank gets becomes a, an independent state, Hamas could literally swear allegiance to ISIS and the high ground. Literally, if you look at a map, the middle of the country is all the high ground. They could put their radar stations and their artillery up on the top of the mountains there, and exactly. most of the Jewish population lives in the low-lying areas on the coastal region. So it's game over if they do that. I, I thank you for calling in with that correction because it, it makes a lot more sense and it would have been super disappointing if he really was walking back. So effectively, as you understand it, he's saying that as long as ISIS is a significant power of any kind, he would not agree to a two-state solution. There's an imminent threat, and because of that, yeah. the risk factor has gone up. I, I mean, so I they agree. they can't be as, as liberal as they would like to be on the two-state thing. And in the, I, I, in, the, in the interview he had on Fox yesterday, he said probably the way things are going, they'll end up with a zero-state solution. In other words, you know, because, because you know, a nuclear weapon doesn't – a nuclear weapon, when it lands, does not exactly have the radiation tuned so that it can kill Jews and not kill Arabs. It's going to kill everyone. No, I know. And, and Israel is so small that if they actually did put a nuke there, it would get everybody in, in the area. Well, the, there's a there's a positive side. Israel is one of the few countries in the world where they have underground shelters for everyone, and these go down three, four stories below ground. So most likely they could su survive initial blast. But the question is, what happens afterwards when everything at the ground level is destroyed? Right. Well, let's let's. Uh I was going to say, let's hope we don't have to think about that. And really, we are kind of in the realm of hope these days, given the 
political situation. Yeah, my I, opinion I, on Iran is that they're just using it as a threat, as intimidation. I don't think they would ever go there because the the response would be overwhelming. I think it's purely an intimidation move, but it it won't be effective until they actually have the Iran has nukes, and then they will utilize this intimidation factor much greater. Well, and then if Iran has them, I mean, maybe Iran themselves they're enough. You know, they're not as very secular, but they're way more secular than ISIS, for example. And if ISIS somehow got some control of the nukes, they would gladly do it because, I mean, they believe that they're supposed to be whittled down to the 5,000 in the, uh, what, do they, what do they call the the time that the, it's not Armageddon, what is it, what do they call it, the apocalypse the or whatever. Order. Yeah, the end times, if, you know, they, they have their if, whole kind of mythology. If ISIS ever got their way and we had to live according to their rules, the world population would shrink to about 5% of what it is now because you'd have no more agriculture, no more industrial civilization. We'd be back to hunter-gathering and praying five days, five times a day, and that would be it. Well, let's. we're going to keep speaking out so that we never wind up there. I thank you for your call. And that's, my, and that's my happy, happy input of the day. Hey, we've got some good news coming later, so stay tuned. Thanks very much. Bye. Okay, that was a familiar voice blast from the past. Um, Good stuff. Yeah, some some definitely good stuff, so thanks for the call. Um, So, yeah, so kudos to Cisco. It sucks that they would even have to start resorting in a so-called free country to shipping boxes of equipment to empty houses in order to keep the government from without a warrant, intercepting a piece of equipment that you have lawfully purchased and putting tracking stuff in it. I mean, who knows? I've got a laptop sitting in front of me right now. I I don't think this particular laptop has anything in it, although I don't know. Uh, Maybe the person that I bought it through is somebody that the NSA wanted to know something about. Who knows? It's so exciting. Um, Now, we're getting spied on. Uh, to the point that Cisco realizes that it needs to take extraordinary measures in order to help its legitimate customers dodge the NSA, right? In the meantime, we have the White House. In a USA Today story this week, March 16th, White House office is deleting its Freedom of Information Act regulations. Deleting and just reading you this article a little bit, the White House is removing a federal regulation that subjects its Office of Administration to the Freedom of Information Act, just unilaterally. Oh, it's just not subject to that. Making official a policy under Presidents Bush and Obama to reject requests for records to that office. They say it's a cleanup of regulations consistent with court rulings that hold the office is not subject, blah, blah, blah. The office handles, among other things, White House record-keeping duties like the archiving of emails. Hmm. The timing of the move raised eyebrows among transparency advocates coming on National Freedom of Information Day. You know Obama is like planning this stuff just to make us mad. You know this, right? I think about raised eyebrows only. That's the extent of it. And there's also a national debate going on apparently right now over the preservation of Obama administration records. Uh, They also say it's Sunshine Week, an effort by news organizations and watchdog groups to highlight issues of government transparency. 
The irony of this being Sunshine Week is not lost on me, said Anne Weissman of the Liberal Citizens for Responsibilities and Ethics in Washington, or CREW crew. Uh, she says, quote, it is completely out of step with the president's supposed commitment to transparency, she said. That is a critical office, especially if you want to know, for example, how the White House is dealing with email. Hmm. Why might we want to know that? Because of our friend Hillary. Um, other related stories, again, grab all the stories. Go to the blog at DontLetItGo.com. One is that the administration has set a record for withholding government files March 18, 2015. Now, you know the only reason they set a record, though, right, is because all the racists request so many records. Oh, sorry, we've got a little bit of uh, unwanted carry language. <laughs> that was John Kerry. I don't want to subject you to listening to John Kerry. But yeah, the administration has set a record for the withholding of government files. The other thing that we have learned this week is the National Archives say that they, quote, live in constant fear of upsetting the White House. Let's read it again. National Archives. They say, quote, we live in constant fear of upsetting the White House. And Front Page Magazine has a great graphic depicting Obama basically as Hitler, or actually, no, no, as a, as a Soviet, as a Soviet, because let me see if I can read this. Uh, no. Uh, Stalin, Shasti, Harnodnoy, I don't know, I can't read it. Anyway, that, something with Stalin. <laughs> in the picture, but it is Obama. Uh, it says, the National Archives and Records Administration tried to hide an email about its fear of upsetting the White House from Freedom of Information Act requests by the Associated Press, the AP reported Friday. In government emails that the AP obtained in reporting about who pays for Michelle Obama's expensive dresses, the National Archives and Records Administration blacked out one sentence repeatedly, citing a part of the law intended to shield personal information such as social security numbers or home addresses. The blacked out sentence, the government slipped and let it through on one page of the redacted documents. Quote, we live in constant fear of upsetting the White House, end quote. Can you imagine? America. United States of America, we have a tyrant in essence there. Now what I do want you guys to hear is now this is interesting. Oh okay, that that played like it was supposed to. Let me play you a little flashback from Obama on transparency. Oh now I get a volume. This is beautiful. Sorry, here we go. Women or to sign laws that ensure that they never stray. The way to make government responsible is to hold it accountable. And the way to make government accountable is make it transparent so that the American people can know exactly what decisions are being made, how they're being made, and whether their interests are being well served. The directives I am giving my administration today on how to interpret the Freedom of Information Act will do just that. For a long time. (laughs) The directives that he's giving on the Freedom of Information Act, the one that is just now wiping out the Freedom of Information Act with respect to an entire totally office. Totally dispassionate. He knows he's lying. Doesn't care. Not Mr. Transparency. Mr. Transparency. Uh, State Defiance says, well, he does have a pen and a phone. Yes, it is true. 
Uh, Fiona says he's transparent as the color black. Yeah, that's basically right. Yeah, he's as transparent as a burqa. State Defiance is on a roll in here. He's talking about Michelle Obama's dresses. He says they're expensive because they are triple XL. Or they're expensive because Because they had to be altered in a strange way in order to fit her. Because she looks like Planet of the Apes, as someone said. No, I don't know. A guy said said she looks like... No, we we could descend into this as this hour, but let's on, not. It's, not it's, yeah. it was a, it's a famous homosexual Hispanic guy on television who said she looks like a character from Planet of the Apes, and he got fired. He pretended that he didn't say that. He meant something else, and he did say that. It, it is what it is. Not good, not good. Now, in the meantime, this week, while Obama is you know trying to live down this whole thing about transparency, I love on Sunshine Week, that's when they delete the F. The Freedom of Information Act regulations is ridiculous. Starbucks has been trying to get everybody into a conversation about race this week, and the Washington Post has this great little story. Starbucks keeps trying to fix American politics by writing things on cups. That's right. Twitter hashtag campaign. Write some stuff on some cups. That'll be awesome. Oh, yeah. Right? Goodness. in the meantime, the reason for the racial tension is in large part, I think, this administration that keeps stirring it up. Oh, yeah. There's another article just kind of following up on the story about Ferguson. Hands up, don't shoot was built on a lie or so says a liberal commentator, yeah. right? And then he's, he descends into some crap, but overall, it's good to hear him say that at least. But then he, he also says there are problems and there are, you know, like Well, and, and here's the thing. And I tweeted out, go follow me on Twitter if you don't follow me, by the way, because I either tweet out or retweet some stuff that is, I think, pretty important. Um, people send me good things and I'll retweet it out and things like that. So, for example, I think it was Couldn't Be Writer on Twitter this week sent me a link to a red state article in which the writer read the entire Justice Department Ferguson report and gave himself the assignment, okay, look, I'm going to read it and construe it as much as possible against our so-called Justice Department. Just pretend that everything that they say is a lie and read this report. And still, looking at this report objectively, there are problems in Ferguson, okay? So that is one thing. But not the kind of problems but the idea of allowing this hands up, don't shoot meme to be out there, to build it on a lie, to let it keep going and snowballing the way that it did and resulting in violence against innocent people, that is inexcusable yeah, for a so-called Department kind of, of Justice. Whatever problem there is, yeah. it clearly wasn't big enough no. without them having to use the hands up, don't shoot. They had to use that to make the problem seem bigger than it actually was. No, exactly. And that and that's exactly, precisely what they did. So, um, so yeah, do go check that out if you're interested to to follow up on that story. I'm going. I'm going. I'm going back to uh, to Starbucks when they after they abolish racism. You know, one one question after they abolish racism. Yeah. yeah one question that I'm interested. in, I mean, clearly, racism. The whole idea of you know looking at someone's race as relevant to anything on you know with respect to human values. That's completely anti-American. You know, America is the realm of individuals each person using his own reason to sustain his life and flourish, live long and prosper, yeah. as uh, as Spock would have said, right? Um, 
That's what America is about. Racism is totally antithetical. The other thing that is completely antithetical to racism are the so-called anti-racism political measures that have yeah antithetical to America um, is uh, the anti-racism political measures out there. So, for instance, any sort of affirmative action or the allegedly anti-racism, any any banning of discrimination. Any of those things are also anti-American. But let me ask you this question, and you can follow up at my blog at DontLetItGo.com and leave it as a comment there. So I want to get to some of these good news stories towards the end of the program notes here. Um, is it anti-American to do what Starbucks is doing, to kind of bring race into a conversation to talk? Now, they say that they're doing it to combat racism. So mm-hmm. combating racism is good. But... Should they be doing it this way? Is there anything anti-American about it, or is it just lame and stupid? Well, as I said, it's lame and stupid. It's dumb. It doesn't doesn't do anything. Yeah, so it lame, makes lame. it makes the guy feel better about something. He's like, I'm more than coffee. I'm more than bad coffee. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's, that's what he says. I'm more than burnt nasty coffee. You know what I mean? I'm more than that. <laughs> no, no, that's what I'm saying. I'm more than terrible undrinkable coffee. No, that's I used to really like their lattes. Lattes are good. The coffee. Ugh, I used to really nasty. like the lattes. But, and now I'm but, no, but his whole thing is, with no milk. You know, he's pathetic. I mean, I, I saw a little clip and he said, like, I, I really got to, I, I realize I got to do something. You're not doing anything. You're telling your barista well, to go Well, then there's your, not a Starbucks in Ferguson yes, and yes, there's all that Selma. No, but he's telling his workers, I want you to do more than job. I want you to get into possible arguments here right. with the customer who's not a racist. Just I want you to talk about it and see what happens. And if the fight breaks up, and are they getting paid extra money for this? They're supposed to make coffees and get people on their way. They want people to zip out of there, no conversations. Move, move, move. I wonder how business is doing in general if he's getting a little desperate. But let's go on and talk about something that is clearly an anti-American idea coming from none other than our president. Obama suggests mandatory voting might be a good idea. Yeah, to keep the the status alive. On Wednesday, Obama suggested that if U.S. voters want to counter the outsized influence of money in politics, it might be a good idea to adopt mandatory voting. Quote, other countries have mandatory voting. Other countries. <laughs> other countries. Talk about the lamest yeah, appeal to authority ever. Yeah. Mandatory voting. Other countries, dictatorships have socialized medicine. Listen to him. It would be transformative if everybody transformative, voted. Transformative, yeah. That would counteract would, money more than money. anything. It because money is us. evil, you multimillionaire jerk. It would unmake us, yeah. and that's why. Yes. He knows that if they mandated the voting. you got two scum who are running. Uh, which scum are you going to vote for? I don't know, but I have to. Hot Air's angle on the story is this. Obama confirms, I really love mandates. No kidding. Suggesting mandates and especially enforcing them seems to be all that's on Barack Obama's mind as president. Yesterday, Obama told an audience during a speech on middle-class economics that the U.S. really should consider making voting mandatory, like health insurance and footing the bill for contraception, et cetera, et cetera. This guy is really, really um, picking away at our our freedoms. He's not done. Yeah. He's picking them off. He says the, the people who tend not to vote are young, 
they're lower income, they're skewed we more heavily the, towards immigrant group of minorities. Vote. Listen, he wants to mandate everyone vote because he thinks that all those yes. are going to be Democrat yes. votes coming into them. That's the whole point. Yes. To keep the, the state alive, to keep the status going. But, you know, we have the freedom not to vote. For he, says, he says there's a reason why some folks try to keep them away from the polls. Yeah, because that's what we're yeah. doing. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. Oh, my God. This is insane. Um, so, in the meantime, Hillary is hiding out, pretending that nothing ever happened with her email. Uh, oh, she's out there opining about the fact that we really need camps, like summer camps. Adults. For adults. Yeah, because uh, we don't have enough fun, and no. you know she she's a master of fun. I mean, look at her, look at her face. You know she's happy and light, right? She's always right. About Starbucks, Steve here in the chat room says, "I have been going to Starbucks on Sunday morning with a black friend where we have coffee and conversation for months." He says that will no longer happen as of this Sunday. Yeah, I have no plans to go back. I haven't been in a while. I mean, I I love you know the butter coffee. But that's just pathetic, putting it in our face. And also this idea, we need a conversation about race. We don't need it. There is no such thing as a conversation about race. First of all, there is people using the term race, race, race every day. We need a conversation about race, race, race. It's not a conversation. And also, if you can speak that lightly and quickly about something, it's not a problem. Yes. You know, we, the, the problems that are really serious, we rarely speak about on the fly like that every single day. We don't do that. Because that's not a major problem in America. You know, Bosch sent me something funny, but I don't know how to link to it. It's just out there on Facebook. But it was somebody made a, a video. I put it on or no? Oh, I, you, no, you, I, could, you could put it on. But try try to figure out how to, yeah. to send it out there. Maybe send a link out through Twitter or something. I guess, See yeah. if you can do it. Anyway, if Bosch sends this little I video know. out. Yeah, it's called, it's called the I Not Racist Apt yeah. app, app. And, and the whole idea of the app is that you get points for doing things that are definitely not racist, definitely not racist. and you try to compete with others for being the least racist yeah. amongst all your friends, and it's, it's really kind of fun. It's very funny. <laughs> I Not Racist app. I, I Not Racist YouTube. app. I could have found it on YouTube, but it was on Facebook. Someone posted it, a friend of mine. Very, very fun. So, yeah, so Hillary Clinton's hiding, and in the meantime... We learned this week that the Harvard Law Review has given a boost to Ted Cruz's potential run for president. There are a couple of scholars who I believe co-wrote an article for the Harvard Law Review, and I believe at least one of them is a liberal. And they have said, yes, he is eligible. Of course, he is a U.S. citizen, even though there was this... uh, you know, accident of him being, I guess, born in Canada. Uh, you are still a natural-born citizen, as was, of course, yeah. as is, of course, McCain. They were passing through. I mean, they, he had a job for a short time, born to American mother. What the hell? No. You, you all of a sudden lose your... Yeah. No. So um, one story that Bosch sent me, and at first glance, you'd think, okay, this is maybe, maybe we don't want <laughs> Ted Cruz as president, but but listen to what this is. Ted Cruz moves to block D.C. laws on gay rights and abortion. And then those of us who believe that gays actually should have rights and that abortion should be legal go, uh-oh, I wonder what this is. But it turns out that the particular things that he's doing here are fine because he's doing things to support the free market 
and every individual's right to associate according to their own beliefs. It says, Republican Senators Ted Cruz of Texas and James Langford of Oklahoma have introduced resolution to overturn two laws that pertain to abortion and gay rights. Okay, so that sounds horrible, right? The laws, they say, violate religious freedom. There's the Human Rights Amendment Act of 2014. Uh, it would apply gay non-discrimination laws to religiously affiliated educational institutions. That's one. I think it's horrible to apply gay non-discrimination laws to a re- religiously affiliated. I think you nobody should have to live under gay non-discrimination laws. You know, Listen to me carefully. Of course, I think it is wrong to discriminate against gays, and I would not discriminate against gays. But nonetheless, I think it is wrong to apply gay non-discrimination laws to anybody. So what was it? There was a baker that didn't want to make a cake for a homosexual couple, and now they're out of business? You have a perfect right not to do these things. So, you know... I guess my my one quibble with what he's doing there is I think they should invalidate gay non-discrimination you know discrimination laws for everybody yep. not just for religiously affiliated Absolutely. educational institutes. Then the, then here's the other one the other law that they're trying also, to overturn. Also, uh, so are priests having being forced to marry homosexual couples? Yeah, no, that's ridiculous. Yeah, here's um here's the other law that they're trying to overturn. The Reproductive Health Non-Discrimination Act of 2014, which would prevent faith institutions from taking action against workers who have abortions. Why shouldn't these institutions be able to hire and fire whomever they want for whatever reason they want, including the stupid, irrational reason that they had abortions? I'm in favor of a right to abortion myself, but if... You know, an employer said, okay, well, if somebody has an abortion, we're going to, and we learn about it, then we're going to fire them. And I guess in part it's because they want to be consistent with their message. They don't want somebody who is known to have had an abortion to have the imprimatur, blah, 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 whatever it is. That's, I think that's their prerogative, even though I think it's a wrong position. So. Um, so as far as a little more. Yeah. So, right, right. And, And so long as Cruz stays in that realm where he is simply asserting the rights of people to make their own individual decisions in a free market basis. I think that's wonderful. The only thing that I, you know, kind of get caught up in in those cases is that, well, why protect the rights only of quote no. religious institutions? Why not protect the rights of everybody to be irrational, horrible discriminators? Point. Because, you know, again, you you have it, it's not a right if you don't have the right to be wrong and be irrational, you're not then practicing a right. It's a, it's a permission. So good for him. Um, something that is actually disappointing this week, Nick Searcy is going to direct the Gosnell abortion movie. Don't get me wrong. I think that Gosnell did wrong things. Yeah, he was a monster. Um, but I get the sense that this particular movie is geared to try to paint a negative picture of abortion as such. And probably, I, c- I could never get behind it as a that. knockout punch yeah. because it's, it's it's movie, it's emotions, it's involved. I mean, right. a knockout punch to abortion. That's that's their goal, probably. It's pure propaganda. Um, conservatives take. And we like Nick Cersei, but I yeah, think. no, I do. I I really like Nick Cersei, but this Gosnell movie, because of I think what is its broader aim. You yeah. know, we we could say okay, we none of us like Gosnell, but doing a movie about it. Yeah. There's an agenda with that yeah, that I don't like. Yeah, because why would you want to make a movie about that kind of monster? He's a monster. 
but to try to prove this is a I mean, there's a lot of movies about a lot of monsters, sure. but I, but yeah, I just, but I know that the agenda is to get rid horror of movies legal abortion. This is different. This is absolutely for that purpose, period. Right, right. exactly. Uh, Glenn Beck did a, quote, premature evacuation from the GOP, uh-huh. and the conservatives don't like it. I think kudos, kudos to Glenn Beck. The only question is, could the GOP be redeemed by nominating Ted Cruz? Let them we'll do see. it, and uh, then, you know, and then it's a different GOP, if that happens. Uh, here is why the comics world is fighting over a Batgirl cover. Can you give like a 30-second summary? The Joker no? has a gun to Batgirl's head. She looks terrified. He's putting lipstick on her and, like a, and basically looks like he abused her in some way. And the uh, leftists across the world took offense and DC balked and took it off. Took it off the... Even though the whole point is that Joker is Joker's a monster. Joker is a monster. He's a monster. He's a vicious Mass murderer. Right. This is what he does. But of course, if he did it to a guy, ah, so what? If it was Robin that he was doing it to, yeah, no, no big deal. In one, in one particular story, it, 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 it suggests that he may have raped Robin, and one, you know, behind yeah. a scene, some of that. Right. And no one, I don't remember this. I don't remember these things. Outcry, yeah. right? But now it's women, and the the, the thing that makes me real sick is that the Muslim writer of Miss Marvel is the one who bitched about this also. Right. She's part of the most misogynistic ideology on earth, and she bitched about this. No, it's nuts. Thing. It's nuts. Then a um, couple stories about so-called climate change. Uh, Al Gore at the South by Southwest Festival apparently called for punishing climate change deniers and putting a price on carbon. At the same time, Investors Business Daily is just hitting them out of the park this week because another piece that they have, uh, the headline is, America is less polluted every year thanks to U.S. wealth. Every year, America is less polluted. So on the one hand, we have Al Gore thinking that things are so bad that the climate change deniers need to be punished. Al Gore has been punishing his waste. I mean, really, he's like bigger than ever. I mean, no man's out there like. Now here's a, a really between speeches. Here's a really cool little story, and again, go to my blog at don'tletgo.com, and you can read the articles that I've linked to here. So many of them were sent to me by Bosch this week. There was uh, one or two sent by Rob Abier as well. But um, one is Sinatra and a rapper talk about God and Playboy fifty years apart with very different results. And the rapper had nothing yeah, right, intelligent right. to say. Basically, you can't understand God, don't try, and what's up with atheists? Yeah. And Sinatra has an intelligent... You know, Minnesota oh winners. Oh my gosh, I'm so sorry about that sound of this yeah, intrusive ad. Has, uh, I didn't expect it from him. I like Sinatra's. Yeah. I mean, I, I got a number of his songs on my iTunes. But this is interesting stuff. Yeah, so they asked him if he believed in God. And he says he doesn't believe in a personal God to whom he looked for comfort or um, for a natural on the next roll of the dice. Um, <laughs> he probably said that for a natural. Yeah, I guess so. Roll of the <laughs> he says, uh, and I'm, I'm skipping around. There are extensive, yeah. intelligent uh, really comments. Are. He says, he says, he says first. It's from a Playboy interview. You, yeah, and and he makes extensive, intelligent comments on the well subject of religion and on the subject of how much he's going to get in trouble yeah. for making these comments, where he basically comes across as either an agnostic or maybe even an atheist. I think he's an atheist. He just doesn't say it there. Yeah, I think he he's says. An atheist. He says first, I believe in you and me. 
He says, I'm like Albert Schweitzer and Bertrand Russell and Albert Einstein in that I have respect for life in any form. I believe in nature, in the birds, the seed, the sky, and everything I can see or that there is real evidence for. If these things are what you mean by God, then I believe in God. Um, then he says, like, you know, if you're going to reach God, he says it's not necessary to make it a church on Sunday to reach him. You can find him any place. And if that sounds heretical, my source is pretty good. Matthew 5 to 7, the Sermon on the Mount, etc. Um, then he talks about how there has been so much blood shed in the name of religion, so that this is why he's shunning organized religion. You know, he, uh, you know, harkens to the Inquisition and burning of witches at Salem. And then he talks about Islam. He says, The Muslims accept slavery and prepare for Allah who promises wine and re-virginated women. And witch doctors aren't just in Africa. If you look at the LA papers of a Sunday morning, you'll see the local variety advertising their wares like suits with two pairs of pants. Um, and then, you know, hasn't religious faith uh, been a civilizing influence, he's asked. And Sinatra says, remember that leering, cursing, lynching mob in Little Rock uh, reviling a meek, innocent little 12-year-old Negro girl as she tried to enroll in public school? Weren't they or most of them devout churchgoers? And he goes on. Um, and he says, don't get me wrong, I'm for decency, I'm for anything and everything that bodes love and consideration for my fellow man. But when lip service to some mysterious deity permits bestiality on Wednesday and absolution on Sunday, cash me out, he goes on to say. Um, and he says, I don't believe that decency stems only from religion. He says, I can't help wondering how many public figures make avowals of religious faith to maintain an aura of respectability. Our civilization, such as, as it is, was shaped by religion, and the men who aspire to public office uh, must make obeisance to God or uh, risk immediate problem. I urge you to go read that. And then Bosch has one more clip of good news for you to listen to. There's two more good news stories. I suggest you go check them out. But listen to this from a Kentucky head coach. It's, uh, it, there's an ad here. It's 10 seconds. It's uh, John Calipari, um, the University of uh, Kentucky uh, basketball coach. And we have very, very little time, but it's worth listening. I took it out. It takes about, about, about that long. But anyway, post game. Start. What was going on in those first few minutes? Had to sit in the locker room for an hour for an overtime game. Uh, we'll be fine. This is their first Carl Towns, Trey Lau. Um, Devin Booker looks like he's out of the title. That's their first NCAA tournament half. It's going to be shaky. Dakari's got to be better. Willie's got to be better. Anyway, listen to the end. Seven, eight, one footers. About 10 seconds. I'm, Literally one. Come on now. Can't miss those. When you establish a big enough lead, you can start fine-tuning things that you want to work on individually. We're worried about winning this game. All we want to do is win this game. I'm not fine-tuning. It was nice that I could play Mark because Willie had foul trouble. Come on. Uh, let him get out there and do some stuff. You but may again, have to get it in the archives. Saying, it's not communism. you got to perform. You go in there and don't perform, I'm not playing you. Thanks, Coach. Excellent. This is not communism. You've got to perform. Yes, that's um, wonderful. He says, as I keep saying to his players, awesome. That's a beautiful ending. Okay, so do go to the blog at don'tletitgo.com and check out two more good news stories. One about broadcast TV coming to Apple. Yay, yes. letting us unbundle from cable. And then a new Alzheimer's treatment that fully restores memory function. If only Obamacare 
will let us have it. Thanks a lot, everybody. Good night, and sorry if you live people got cut off. <laughs> it was a very good year. <laughs> All right, everyone, take care. Take care.